Hey, well, good morning again. Welcome back. We are so excited to be here today. Welcome to 2020 at the Vine. We are going back today to our series that we started before the holiday season. If you can think back past all the craziness and beauty of the holidays, we um, started a series looking at 1 Peter, the letter of 1 Peter. Uh, The Apostle Peter wrote this letter to Christians in the first century. And uh, today, he, he hits a whole bunch of different topics. And today we have the really easy topic of marriage and submission. Oh, yeah. Now that's fun stuff. That is a... Really easy topic. Yeah. When I think of healthy relationships, like the first place my mind goes is what? I think of conversation and shared experience and life and enjoyable things, and yet that's not exactly where Peter's going to go with our conversation this morning. So let's see uh, what comes of it. Um, you know, uh, Sarah and I have been married for 16 years, and um, there's been a lot of good in those 16 years. It's like, because oh. I'm so angelic. It's really amazing mm-hmm. to be married to me, right? Is that? That's what I was going to say, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm sure that's exactly what you, you was going to say. You took the words right out of my mouth. So it's been pretty good. 16 <laughs> years in, it's been pretty good. But, you know, it takes some sacrifice. And that is one thing that Peter's going to speak to today, sacrificing some of our own will for the sake of another. Like, for instance... Um, when we had our first daughter 10 years ago, Alyssa, um, we quickly discovered that uh, choosing color combinations and outfits was not my gift. And I just had to submit to Sarah and say, all right, this, this ball is totally in your court, right? And, and likewise, anytime the little lights come on in my car that says something's wrong with my car. I'm like, Micah, you take over. Let's switch cars, do whatever you want to that car, but fix it for me. Years ago, we went to Italy together, mm-hmm. and I just left all the speaking in Italian to Sarah. I just, I just stepped out of that one. Like, I, I submit that to you. You do all the speaking in Italian. A couple of days ago, we took the girls to White Pass, and we, I went with Alyssa, skiing up the mountain and Micah stayed with Rachel snowboarding and then about an hour or so into it we swapped and uh and Rachel at one point looked at me and she said you know mom this is a lot easier with dad here (laughs) you know I know nothing about snowboarding or snowboarding techniques and so I relinquish all snowboarding authority yeah to Micah Okay. Because I just, I can't do it. I'll take that. I like authority. <laughs> All right. So here's the interesting thing about the conversation we're going to have in First Peter today. He's going to use that word submit. And he's going to say, wives, submit to your husbands. And it's going to sound kind of harsh and over the top. And we're going to try to bring a lot of context to this conversation. And we're going to bring a lot of understanding because I believe what Peter is inviting us to is wholeness and health in relationship, um, to, to love and grace and to the enjoyable things we describe over the 16 years. And a part of that journey is going to be submitting to each other, knowing the other's strengths, and working together in relationship. So we're going to dig into it. But before we go there, I need to take a step back. About a month and a half ago, uh, we, pre- we were in um, 1 Peter chapter 2. 
And Peter begins this conversation that we continue today when he's going to speak to both husbands and wives about, uh, about responsibilities and relationship. Um, and he began with this conversation of submission. Um, and submission as we defined it here a number of weeks ago is to uh, willfully to choose to place yourself under some other authority. It's not a forced position in life, but it's choosing a posture in life to say, I will submit to that, or I will submit to you. So he begins speaking about like government, and he begins speaking to slaves, saying, go ahead and live in a submissive way. But there was a very specific reason why Peter said, choose a posture of submission in life. And it was, uh, it's found in verse 12, back in chapter 2, and it is um, that you would live such beautiful lives that people would come to know Jesus. That people would come to know God because of the posture we are taking in life. Now, he's going to continue that conversation today in relationship, and he's going to speak to wives whose husbands are not yet uh, believers. He's going to speak to husbands about their responsibility. So I think we're ready, right? We should dig in and read through this thing. I think we're ready. Okay. We're ready for gasps and oohs and ahs. You can <laughs> boo at us if you want. No, I'm just kidding. It's a beautiful text, and I'm excited to be looking at it together I, today. I think one other thing I'm going to add to that, it's interesting how Peter, um, l- looking at the cultural power structures of the day, Peter is addressing those with less power. So his primary focus as he talks to the people that are subjected under Roman rule is, is he says, submit to authority or slaves who have very little rights. He's talking, to, or and in this case, also to wives, to, to women who had very little rights. So his focus is not to um, lay out the ideal system, but his focus is to speak to people living in these systems, in these societal systems, and saying, how do we do this, and how do we do it well? So, let's start off. We're going to read in 1 Peter 3, verse 1 through 7. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, They may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Your beauty should not come from outward ornaments such as elaborate hairstyles or the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you in the gracious gift of life, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. All right. There's Ooh. a load of stuff in there. <laughs> Even reading it without, like, stopping to, to talk yeah, about like, it I is I want to explain a little bit there. 
You know, um, <laughs> it, it's really easy uh, to, from our Western um, 20th century perspective, um, uh, 21st century, to read this text and say, wow, this seems quite off. I want to take a few minutes today to listen to the text through a first century lens and then come to enough understanding to say, so what's this really inviting us to here today? And I think for me as a woman reading that, one of the things that that I struggle with is that I, in my mind, I'm replaying all the ways this passage has been misused in the church and has been mistaught. And so I come to it with some baggage. And it's good to just say that out loud and to acknowledge that. And that's why, yes, it's so important to look at it with fresh eyes. I think in the very beginning, I want to mention that um, in, in the conversation of submission here, uh, nowhere is Peter asking women to just endure abusive relationships. And this passage has been used in those sorts of ways. Uh, the entire thrust of the gospel message is towards whole and healthy relationships. The last thing Peter could be or would be saying here is too bad. You know, that's just a broken relationship and you need to suffer in that. No, this has to be more based on the entire biblical uh, narrative. This has to be something towards healthy and whole relationship. That is the thrust of the gospel, redeemed relationship between God and other people. And so we need to read this through that lens. Go ahead. Absolutely. Um, So it starts off saying, wives, submit to your husbands so that they might be won over by your example. And like Micah talked about, this submission is this willingly putting yourself under an authority. And the purpose of submission here, according to Peter, is that this chosen posture of submission would lead people towards Jesus, would point people towards Jesus. And this posture of submission, especially when it's willingly taken on, is quite unusual and quite noticeable. Even in the first century, this was not a normal posture. Um, it, it reminds me of, of one of my all-time favorite movies, the movie I watch anytime I'm sick, I break out Princess Bride. I love that movie. If you've seen Princess Bride, it's, it's just this classic love story. You have Princess uh, Buttercup, and then you have a farm boy named Wesley, and it starts off, it starts off, that's what they call him, (laughs) it starts off with, you know, her asking him to do things, and every time she would ask him to do things, he would just say, as you wish, as you wish, you know, like, that's, that's what normal relationships are like, right? Yeah, I mean, that's my pat answer. (laughs) As you wish. And, and in the middle of the movie, um, a lot's happened. Uh, he comes back, but she doesn't know that it's him, and um, she gets mad at, at this character that she doesn't realize is, is Wesley. And so she just pushes him off the hill, and he goes tumbling down the hill, and she recognizes that it's him. Even as she's pushed him away, he's tumbling down yelling, as you wish. Right. This is how we would misunderstand the passage, to think that it is speaking of taking abuse and saying, oh, whatever you wish in this moment. That's how we would misunderstand what Peter's saying here, and yet that is not the thrust of the text. No. So Peter... 
He starts off, like Micah said earlier, with this whole conversation about submission with, uh, in chapter 2, verse 12, saying, live such good lives that though people accuse you of doing wrong, that they will see Jesus in you. They will see um, God in you and glorify God. And that is what submission is supposed to be about. So he goes on here after speaking uh, to the subject of submission to say, the, the way your life will be recognized as something beautiful, the way people will come to know Jesus through the way you live is not by the beautiful jewel, jewelry that you wear or the clothes that you choose. You know, it got me thinking this week, like um, for all of us, what do we want to be known for? What do we want to be remembered for? Um, I mean, maybe for some of us, it's important to have a nice appearance in our job or whatever it is. It kind of demands that of us. But ultimately, no one really thinks they will be or wants to be remembered for what they wore a hundred years after they've left this earth, right? I mean, this is not the legacy that we leave, our appearance or anything like that. Instead, the question I think that, that Peter's uh, asking or, or that's behind Peter's statement here is people will come to know Jesus by the way we live, and specifically in this context, by the way we live in relationship. To be, um, to choose a life of purity. Jesus speaking in Matthew 5, he says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And, and, and Peter uses the same language. He says, Choose purity in the way you engage in relationship, in the way in which you live life, because through that, through your reverence for God, your love for God, your dedication to God, through that, people will come to know me. Peter also says that you'll be, you'll, you'll, your beauty comes from your inner self, the beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. Now, I don't, I don't know what your reaction would be, but I know what my reaction is if someone tells me, you know what, as a wife, you need to be gentle and quiet. Like, oh, I will show you. I will show you, and it will not be gentle and quiet. Like, um, I, I, my hackles kind of, kind of come up here. And again, you were about to say something sarcastic. <laughs> he used restraint, guys. Um, still debating, on still debating whether or not I'm restraining. <laughs> but again, I think that's that's the baggage that that I carry with me. That sometimes I've I've heard this passage being used to to teach that wives should have no voice that wives should have no opinion. And so digging in a little deeper, what does it mean to have a gentle and quiet spirit? The word gentle, that exact same word in Greek that's used here is used a number of other times in scripture. It's used by Jesus to describe himself in Matthew 11, verse 29. This is what Jesus says. He says, take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus, Almighty God, Savior of the world, he comes to earth and he says, learn from me, I am gentle, I am humble, 
And as you learn from me, as you, re- as you rest in me, you will find rest for your souls. We are all called, both wives and husbands, to model our lives after Jesus and to reflect this gentleness. Just because it's in the wife section doesn't mean that it's exclusive to, to women and not men as well. So in Colossians 3, verse 12, Paul continues this idea, and he says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. These are not feminine qualities. These are Jesus qualities that we're all called to. And so then the same word here used for quiet, Paul uses elsewhere in Thessalonians. He writes to the Christians there and he says, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands just as we told you. So again, this idea of being quiet is applied to all Christians. So what does it mean that our beauty comes from a gentle and quiet spirit. I think it means that our true beauty is found when our character reflects the character of Jesus. When our character looks gentle and humble and calm and quiet like Jesus' character did. I hear you, and I love that point. Um, This is not a call to distinguish the different traits that men or women are required to engage in relationship, uh, because throughout Scripture, the idea of humility, gentleness, quietness is applied to all of Christendom. So I hear you. You're saying, I need to be quieter and more gentle, right? This is, this is what we're getting at. And truly, that is the challenge and call for each of us. That this is not an exclusive thing. This is not something we get to lord over someone else in a relationship. But this is the way of Jesus, and this is what we're invited to. Okay, so husbands, we're not off the hook. Uh, he continues, uh, in, he continued in verse 7. He said, husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you to the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. All right. He uses that term weaker partner. Did anyone kind of cringe when they heard that? I do. I don't like that. Let me say he is not making an insult to women uh, in marriage. Instead, what he's saying is the societal standards and norms mean that you women in these marriages have less rights that you have less rights than the men. And that was the reality. Women did not have legal rights in this day and age. And so what he's saying is husbands, knowing that there is an inequitable uh, power structure here in marriage in the first century, husbands, be considerate to your wives. Now, the term considerate there, uh, the Greek word uh, means something much more than considerate, and I don't know why it's so often translated this way. It means more specifically... Um, to seek to know or to seek to understand. What he's saying here is, husbands, you realize that in marriages, there is not an equal balance of power here in the first century. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to seek to know, seek to understand your spouse. Do you hear how in the first century his call is high, the bar is high? I want you to know, to care for, to be concerned about your spouse. He says, husbands, you are not off the hook. And remember, he began, uh, he says, in the same way. 
Again, he's referring back to this thesis statement he made back in chapter 2, saying, remember, the way we conduct ourselves is to reflect the way of Christ and for the purpose that other people would come to know Jesus through the way we live. He says, husbands, do not take the power that culture has given you and lord it over your spouse, but instead seek to know them, seek to care for them, seek their interests over yourselves. And in marriage... I think anyone who's experienced marriage would say how important that is. Often, often opposites attract. And the way he thinks is so different than the way I think and vice versa. The, this idea. But she's learning. <laughs> Sarcasm. But often that, that desire to know, that desire to understand, even if I'm like, this is crazy. There's no way this makes sense. And then in conversation, we can see the other person's point of view. And then, I mean, it doesn't make it easy. Then you have to figure out what to do with that. But this idea of seeking to understand, seeking to know, it goes both ways. Again, yes. not just for the husbands, for the wife too, trying to, to be considerate of the other. It would be incredibly easy to overlook his final statement here as he's speaking to husbands. Um, so respect your wives, um, be considerate, or seek to know and seek to love and support them. Put their interests above yourselves because they are heirs with you to the gracious gift of life. Okay, now listen to some of this language through the lens of a first century Christian or a first century person. Uh, women were not heirs. In the first century, uh, the sons would inherit the family's wealth and the business and all these things. Women were not heirs in the first century. And Peter here goes out not on a limb. I guess I'm, what I'm trying to say is he takes an extreme measure in saying, women, you are inheriting this gift of God right alongside your husbands. He's saying there is equity in Jesus. He's saying you are equally receiving the gift of God with your spouse. And this is beautiful. We call it egalitarian, but equality amongst men and women. And this is not the only place in scripture we see these sorts of concepts. Uh, Peter in this text speaks very practically to the power structures that are present in the first century. Uh, but there is this universal truth that we see glimpse. He's like, take care of each other because you are equal in Christ. In Galatians chapter 5, it says, in Jesus, there's no male or female. There's no slave or free. There's no Jew or Gentile that in Jesus, there is equality. So Peter speaks in this text to, in very practical ways to the realities of first century relationships and law. And yet we see this beautiful allusion to, but you are equal in Jesus, you have been invited to the same grace by the same God. Amen to that. You know, Peter, as he's addressing both wives and husbands here, he points both spouses to, to this goal of being more like Jesus. He, he, he wants both parties to be more like Jesus in their character and in the way they interact. And though today we're looking at primarily 1 Peter 3, I think we'd be remiss not to also go to Ephesians 5. In Ephesians 5, Paul writes to husbands and wives again. And as he begins to address wives and husbands in Ephesians 5.21, he starts off with this statement. In verse 21, he says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. 
submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. You know, as Christians, we believe that we're all called to take on this posture of mutual submission. Not that one is the doormat, or that I always think of myself, but rather that we choose to place ourselves under an authority and lift the other up. We choose to lift the other up in value and value them. It's kind of like this agreement, hey, I'll look after you while at the same time you're looking out for me. This mutual submission And it's important on all of our relationships as Christians, not just marriage. Here, we're looking specifically at marriage and and having this mutual submission, being gentle with each other, being considerate with each other, lifting the other up and reflecting um, the character of Jesus in our interactions. And I love talking about this, and it's so easy in theory. It's so easy. Um, And yet in life... It's really challenging at times. What's your favorite like love story, like movie about uh, you know a couple <laughs> that falls in love? Sarah loves the movie Princess Bride. She mentioned it earlier. Um, there's Sleepless in Seattle years ago. There's Dumb and Dumber. I mean, there's so many good <laughs> love movies out there. Um, I don't know what your favorite one is, but I do know that real life is not like that movie that you like so much, right? Uh, relationship takes work. And so that's why Peter in this text is like, hey, start to love each other in relevant ways. Men, don't lord your authority over your wife. Wives, choose to love intentionally your husbands, right? So he speaks very specifically into the culture of the day and the challenge that relationship is. But remember this, we, we mentioned it early on. Um, the gospel is about whole and healthy relationship. And this is an invitation to say, in your relationships, choose health, right? Choose to submit your own will to someone else. Choose to love them very intentionally as Christ chose submission and chose love in his life. And Peter goes on um, to begin to conclude his thought on these subjects and and the conversation of submission here in chapter 3, verse 8. Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because um, to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Here's the conclusion that he draws. After saying, you know, wives, in the position that you are, consider living like this, doing this, that people would see Jesus in you. Husbands, in the position that you are in, choose to live in a way that people will come to see me and he draws to this conclusion, all of you in your relationships, choose to be sympathetic, choose to be compassionate, choose to be loving, choose to be humble. How rich is that invitation that in our marital relationships, for those of us that are married, he says, all of you choose love and compassion in the ways you engage. Be humble 
in your relationship with each other. But I think this would apply to relationships beyond just a marriage relationships. He he says to everyone in your relationships at work, when we find ourselves in inequitable or vulnerable places in our relationships with a boss or with other people, he says, choose submission, choose compassion, choose humility in the ways that you engage those relationships. This is the way of Jesus. It was of submission and compassion, of love and humility, and we are invited to engage in relationships in those ways. You know, we've talked a lot about the cultural context today as we read through this scripture. Um, there's a, a paraphrase called The Message by Eugene Peterson, and, and um, he he took scripture and he um it's called a paraphrase, not a translation, because he took some liberties of interpretation with it. And and this is, I wanted to read as we close out, um, this same passage from the message. And his goal was to put it in, in a, our cultural context. Now, it'll be interesting to see because he did this, what, 50 years ago? A while I think back. less than that. Less but than that. Some, some time um, ago. But I, I'd, I'd love for us to listen to this paraphrase of the script of this scripture it's just a little bit different first peter 3 the same goes for you wives be good wives to your husbands responsive to their needs there are husbands who indifferent as they are to any words about god will be captivated by your life of holy beauty what matters most is not your outer appearance the styling of your hair or the jewelry you wear, or the cut of your clothes, but your inner disposition. Cultivate inner beauty, the gentle, gracious kind that God delights in. The holy women of old were beautiful before God that way, and were good, loyal wives to their husbands. Sarah, for instance, taking care of Abraham, would address him as, my dear husband, just pause a moment. If I ever address you as my dear husband, you can just guarantee that's sarcasm. Like, it's not, it's not going to be my dear I kind of like this idea. Her I name's know. Sarah, too. <laughs> I know. I just had to pause there for a moment. Okay. Uh, so Sarah addresses him. Uh, I think in the, old, in the other, in the NIV, it says as Lord, and that was a respectful term. Not doing that either. No, there, there's great context to this story. I want to take more time on it, but we won't. Would address him as my dear husband. You'll be true daughters of Sarah if you do the same, unanxious and unintimidated. The same goes for you, husbands. Be good husbands to your wives. Honor them. Delight in them. As women, they lack some of your advantages. But in the new life of God's grace, you're equals. Treat your wives, then, as equals so your prayers don't run aground. Summing up, be agreeable, be sympathetic, be loving, be compassionate, and be humble. That goes for all of you, no exceptions, no retaliation, no sharp-tongued sarcasm. Instead, bless. That's your job, to bless. You'll be a blessing and also get a blessing. I think he did a remarkable job there of putting in our culture, in our context, um, the idea that Peter was speaking 
to a first century audience. Uh, he, he says, um, consider the needs of other people. Live in loving and compassionate ways. Whether you're a husband or a wife, you're invited to live in the ways of Jesus in that relationship. And further, I think we can extend the principle beyond that for those of us that aren't married or for those of us that are struggling with relationships in our workplace or in our family. The invitation is to live in relationship in the ways that Jesus lived in relationship with us out of compassion and love and concern for the other. Let's pray about that. Dear God, we just thank you for your word. Lord, sometimes it's challenging to understand, but as we dive in, we see your heart and your heart of love for, for all people, for your creation, both men and women. And God, we thank you. We thank you that in you there is equality. We thank you that in you there is mutual uh, care for each other. And God, we just come to you in our relationships and we bring our relationships to you, be they marriage or other. And Lord, we just ask that you would teach us to love like you do. Lord, that our interactions and our conversations and our actions would reflect those of Jesus. God, we thank you for your love and your grace. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we leave this place, may our character reflect the character of Jesus. May we be loving, may we be compassionate, and may we be humble. Have a great week.